Welcome back to another episode of Obsessed with Death. Thank you so much for continuing to support and listen to the podcast. It is greatly appreciated. Of course, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on Instagram or Twitter or TikTok, wherever you do your social media stuff. Give us a follow um, or don't, whatever. Um, if you could, share the podcast, tell a friend. All of that stuff helps. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, leave five stars if you feel like we deserve it. Uh, again, all of that stuff helps the podcast tremendously. And I know I've been teasing this for multiple episodes, but I promise you, very exciting news coming very shortly here uh, regarding the podcast and uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Today's episode is with Nick Thune. He is a stand-up comedian and a musician and uh, an all-around just like very talented, funny guy. Uh, definitely uh, check out his his comedy on YouTube. There's a ton of great stuff up there. Um, and he also um, has dealt with addiction. And uh, we discuss uh, what he went through and how he dealt with and continues to deal with uh, being an alcoholic and, you know, sort of the struggles that he went through to get to where he is today. Uh, which is um, a sober, successful individual. Um, really, really fun conversation. Uh, you know, again, Nick is super funny, really smart, uh, so, so honest. And uh, this was a really great episode. I was so glad he decided to come on the podcast. And I hope you enjoy another episode of Obsessed with Death. So, uh, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Um, we're going to get right into it. Uh, Thanks for I really, <laughs> of course, we really uh, are. I, I've really wanted to um, do an episode like this for a while. And <clears throat> I have been, a, a you know, a, a fan of yours. I've been aware of you for a while. Um, you know, great stand-up comedian. And uh, you're mm -hmm. super super open and honest about you know the struggles that you went through and you know dealing with addiction and drinking and I think it's a really important topic to talk about and it's great when people are obviously open about it obviously not everybody is super into discussing you know something that could be so personal um mm -hmm. but you know, I've seen you on on different shows and stuff, and you really do talk about it honestly. And I felt like you would be a great person to sort of discuss that with. Um, and I'm just excited for you to come on the show. Well, yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. I mean, it's funny that you say like you know people are not willing to kind of speak about it. Yeah, I I can see that. You know, like. I don't know. I feel at some point reputation might've been a thing, but um, <laughs> sure. You know, like trying to keep it up and not, I don't want anyone to know what I've, you know, the darkness, well, whatever, yeah. but I, I, I don't know it to me. It, it listen, there's so many people that don't talk about it that 
when anytime that I even half mention it, the amount of messages I get from people that are deep into a place that I was. Yeah. Um, I, I see how crucial it is to, to do that. I mean, and, and I remember when I was deep into, um, my addiction and scrolling through social media or listening to a po- somebody's story in a podcast or something and hearing anything about death, hearing anything. Cause I, I just knew I was knocking on a door. I knew I was there just like waiting. And, you know, it's like, you try not to get totally overcome by, you, you know, like you, you, you are actively killing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's like, you, and then every now and again, somebody talks and it, it doesn't make you feel like it's the end of the road. You know, like it feels like sure. somebody, somebody says one thing that makes you think, okay, so there is an out and it's not the end. Yeah. I, I think that's a big part of why it's so important. But again, I understand, you know, private people, like some people are just private people, whatever it is. Yeah. You don't yeah. want to share that stuff and, you know, reputation, reputation. I get that as well. Um, but at the same time, like you said, yeah, I mean, if, if it's going to help people and you're willing to do it, I think it's definitely something, um, you know, worth speaking about. Um, well, I think once you've, danced on the door but you know sure. in, of death and you've like you've been to the worst place that you could possibly imagine you know when, when you're in a hospital and you're just like you know you, people are telling you how lucky you are to be alive and you you realize you know and just almost like if you were to get biblical about it and like you know ecclesiastes is this this book um in the Bible that this guy, um, it, King um, Solomon, I think, is uh, he's just the richest person that ever existed. And he has the most of everything. He's he's beyond what Elon Musk is or that you could even have now, you know. Yeah. And after everything that he had in the end, it was just all meaningless. It's like the whole, you know, the whole thing of that, you know, and there's nothing new. It's all happened. Everything is meaningless. And yeah. And I remember like hearing that when I was young and just being like, wow, fucking dark, man. Wow. <laughs> thank you. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But then hearing it at an older age and how much hope I find in that and how, how, how it's like, oh, great. So I don't have to go knocking on doors for meaning. I don't, it's not out there when I'm searching for whatever this perfect thing is, or this job opportunity, it's actually all happening right now. And when you feel like that close to losing all of that, it's easier to be right now. Do you think that that could also be a dangerous way to think, uh, depending on like what sort of state of mind you're in or like just sort of the way, you're like currently living your life. Like you could sort of look at it both ways, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, I I think everything is dangerous unless it's looked at through the eyes of somebody who knows that what's on the other end, you know, it's like, yeah, I, there's, I, I just had a thing like last night I was eating with my girlfriend and 
I did something that made her laugh, which is like basically what I'm always trying to do. And she laughed and I said, I don't care if it's with me or at me. I'm just glad you're entertained. And then she said, how narcissistic of you that you just want attention, whether it's good or bad. And I was like, let's just look at the way that I said that and the way that you turn that in your head. Yeah. I said, I just want you to be happy. And you looked at it like I said, all I want is attention. So like, that's not what I was saying. What I was saying was actually quite romantic and was me telling you that like, that's like your happiness is what I like, literally like, that's my drug. I want it, you know? And, and, and there's all these, she does have a darker perspective than me. And this happens a lot to where it's misinterpreted like the the actual meaning of something mm. but or you know the people that you've been around that actually do say things like that and they are oblivious and they are meaning to say it like you know in that other direction or or whatever but the, you know the the, the 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 i don't know like it's like i hope i didn't get lost here but i'm i i feel as if the 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 talent and the the thought process and the way that i can make her laugh you know yeah that's only good in those situations that's not good when we're having a real conversation sure when something's really happening i've learned that over and over again through trial and error with ex with girlfriends and i one time dated a therapist that was like we had a serious moment she's like and i did something for a laugh and she was like you don't have to do that <laughs> dating you a therapist seems dangerous I know it was fucking amazing to be honest. And <laughs> was it was it just like free therapy or like too much therapy? We were just constantly introspective and yeah. constantly yeah. like able to tell each other things like that. Sure. You know, whereas I now like look back in other situations when I have gone for a laugh in a moment that it was not needed. And the cheapening how how that does cheapen it and how that is a guard. And how also there is something in me that almost thinks that I'm never going to get another laugh. So I have to get this one. That's interesting. And, you know, and so, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, go you ahead. Have to go fight ahead. that. You have to fight that feeling and realize, no, there's time for another laugh. But couldn't you also just say like, you're, I mean, is it, is it that big of a deal? It's like this quick little what joke, whatever it is. You say a thing, somebody laughs, and then you just move on. Like, I understand, like, the thought process behind all of it. Like, you don't have to do that, or you're looking for attention. But can it also just be a fun thing for a split second, and then you just move on with your life? Yes, and I do do that. I mean, that's... Yeah. But I know that if somebody looks at me and says, I've never met anyone like you. You mm. have... You're changing me. And if I were to do a diaper joke right there, <laughs> or who knows what, you know? Yeah. It doesn't work. And it makes the diaper joke later even better or anything. You know, I, it's just a cop-out. It's a cop-out to sit in a moment with somebody yeah. and actually just be vulnerable and allow yourself to feel the love that they're giving you, which is one of my hardest things to learn to do is just allowing people to love me and is that 
do you take that as like a compliment that makes you uncomfortable? Like when someone says something like that, like I've never met anyone like you. Um, I mean, if that was, I was, I was just like giving like a dramatic line in a movie or something like, (laughs) you know, but, but but, I, I would assume people have probably told you that before. Well, you know, I mean, yeah. Like I, I feel that way about all the people that I know, Yeah, you know, I, I surround myself with people that are surprising and are vulnerable and are available. Yeah. And uh, these are assertive people. They're not aggressive. They're not passive. They're just, these are people that say what they mean and they do what they, and they do what they say. And I've learned over time, like the simplest parts of life just get easy. You know, life just gets easier when those are the people that you have around you. Sure. Yeah. You know, people yeah, please those are and good, all of that yeah. shit is it's a nightmare. I've done it and it's just exhausting. Yeah. Well, we really <laughs> we really took a turn there and I and I loved it. I thought yeah. that was great. Um just taking a just a quick step back again, just to you being so open and honest about, you know, think you know, your life and 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 your addiction. I think it's it's interesting or or important rather to point out how it's like you didn't do anything wrong you know like uh, people look at talking about this stuff uh i i think as you know possibly being judged um but i I think that's a big part of it it's like you didn't do anything like okay now maybe you know through your process of you know addiction and then getting sober you you of course could have hurt people along the way and and i think that's a part of it but i think again just like to to go back to the beginning of this i -hmm. think that's another sort of part that i think people get a little iffy about when discussing um yes and and also yeah those people are still dealing with that stuff yeah i mean everyone is in recovery whether you're doing it through a book or through a thing or whatever you know you're living with what you've done and you're finding a way to live with it. Yeah. You're not finding a way to make it all better. You're not finding a way for everybody to celebrate you and think you're the best person. You're finding a way to live with what you've done and, and to not do that again, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. And the idea of judgment is just, I could just fucking care less about anyone judging me because I, have gotten down to that darkness, that, that dark point where I did care a lot. And it's funny, like I had a conversation with somebody that I haven't spoken to since I got sober. Well, I have a little bit and we, we, and then anyways, she called me kind of out of the blue and she's somebody that I've hurt. And it was our first time talking, you know? And she said, is it true that you relapsed? And I said, no, I, no, I have four years from the day that I, you know, mm-hmm. October 10th, um, had, you know, 2018. And, and, um, I was like, why? And she's like, oh, somebody told me that you had. And I just said, oh, and then it was kind of quiet. And then she goes, don't you want to know who? And I said, I absolutely don't care. Yeah. I don't yeah. like it's, I hope that you know who, and that you remember who gives you information and that you count on those people for the right things. Like, and I don't need you to believe me that I haven't relapsed, but mm-hmm. you know, the proof is in me and, and she could not believe it because the old me wanted, would want to know who's judging me. I think most people would, would want to know who's judging them. Yeah. I mean, 
what a what an extremely healthy way to handle that. Yeah, it does. What is that going to give me? You yeah, know, of course. And but in it, that it, moment, you know, it's like you'd get like that, like that brief, you know, um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but you would get like that rush of like finding out like who's talking about you in this way. There's something you get out of it. It's very brief and, of course, pointless. But yeah, it's that feeling of gossip. You know, it's that yeah, feeling of like absolutely. somebody somebody's letting you in on the inside. So that means that they're not loyal to that person. Now they're actually showing you that they're, they're breaking that person's loyalty. So all in all, it's like anybody that's even going to step into asking anyone that's involved in that, the person that's relaying the information, the person that gave them the information, they're all getting that. They're like her confronting me with that gave her a bit of a buzz. Yeah. She had information and she checked it, you know? Yeah. Um, you 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 mentioned this uh, briefly while we were talking as well. That you 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 basically said you said uh, you were actively killing yourself, um, and I think that's an interesting way of putting it. Um, you know, I, I've heard people you know describe obviously addiction uh, in a similar way, um, and you know I do want to talk about addiction. I do want to get into all of that but this show also deals with and discusses you know the anxiety and around death and with death and you know i'm curious what your relationship with uh or what your relationship with death is like um now and then i would love to maybe discuss a little bit uh of what your relationship with death was like you know while you were like actively drinking and all of that so, so right now, like how, what's your relationship with death? Like now, do you think about it a lot? Is it something that causes you anxiety? You know, do you worry about it or is it just something that sort of is just in the back of your head? I don't, I don't consider my death. I think most days. Yeah. Um, I think that moments flash in front of my eyes when I could have died. Yeah. Whether it was like, walking across the street and getting hit by a bus that just like, I almost just got hit by because I was in my phone or, you know, like these moments happen where it's like, Oh, that could have been the moment right there. You know? Sure. Um, But my death is it's funny because like, I don't, I don't fear death. I fear not loving the people that I know. As in just not being able to to love them anymore? Yeah. Like, I don't know if that, I don't know if we're able to anymore, you know? And like, I think about like, because once you have a kid and, you know, you realize like how much, like, it's just all his, like everything is his. My skin is his, my, my clothes are his, my money is his, all of it's for him. All of it is, is his. And the longest I can help him by supporting him and loving him the better. So I want to be around for that as much as possible. And, you know, I don't know, like Keanu Reeves said one, this thing once in an interview with Stephen Colbert that just really stuck with me. And he's like, you know, do you think that there's life after death? There we go. You know, what do you think happens? And he says, I know that the ones who love us will miss us. I, I've, I've, I've seen the interview. I absolutely, yeah. yeah, I absolutely loved it. Yeah. It's, yeah, and, it's, a, it's a beautiful way of, of putting it. Yeah. And I don't want someone to go through that, you sure. know, 
I yeah. don't want my son to miss me. Yeah. Ever. I mean, it's nice to know that he misses me if he's on sure. vacation with his mom or he's somewhere, you know, it's nice to know, but I don't want him to miss me. I want me to just be a thing that's like there. Yeah. But I know that that eventually will happen. You know, my dad, my dad almost died. My dad had surgery last night, by the way, and he's in the hospital in like, oh, wow, in like serious, serious surgery. And he's, you know, in his 70s and it's like. It was a back screwing his spine and all this stuff and wow. just years and years of absolute pain that he's suffered that he never would ever tell anyone about. And yeah. finally he decided to do this surgery after talking to so many people, cause he's already gotten discs fused and erupt and like all these things have happened his whole life, you know, and finally yeah. he's in this surgery. And the reason that he's doing it is because about a month and a half or two months ago, he went out on a fishing trip with two guys and he was standing on the dock and the water was too rough and the wind was too much. And my dad said, it's no good. And the other two guys said, it's fine. It's fine. You know? And my dad got, he's a people pleaser. He's an enabler. It's, it's like what, what he does. Everyone else's happiness is all he's ever seemingly focused on. Yeah. And he didn't want to disappoint these guys. He gets in the boat and the boat capsizes when they're out of water. And my dad was in the water for 45 minutes and almost died of hypothermia. Got rushed to they Luckily, oh somebody picked him up. Luckily, all these students that were like at the nursing school happened to be down at this dock. And then the ambulance got there and rushed my dad to the hospital. And I mean, it was death. You know, yeah. he thought, wow. And, it, and I when I say death, like, yes, that freezing and all of that. But he actually, and in so many words, came to terms with dying in that 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. And it scared him. And I wrote a text to him that basically said how much people love him. And now all he has to do is enjoy that. Yeah. Forever. For the rest. You are here. And dad, get your fucking hearing aids. Like get, he, he, he hasn't got, he's been needing hearing aids for so long, but he, he, yeah. he just doesn't want them. And so finally, literally I said, you need to get hearing aids and you need to get that back surgery. And I need that to happen in the next three months. And it, and both of them have now happened. Wow. And those are things that he wasn't going to do that. He was just always going to put off. Yeah. And, I'm and, dude, yeah, getting old is scary. It is right. I mean, like I, I understand. I, I, I'd like to say. Yeah. <laughs> I understand being like, no, I don't want fucking hearing aids. Like, yeah, I, I'm I'm 70 years old. And by the way, I'm I'm glad he's doing okay. I'm glad he's okay. I hope yeah. you know, surgery and everything went well. It but I, I good, good. Uh, but I get that feeling of like, I don't want fucking hearing aids. I don't no. you know, you know, like I don't want to have to have this scary back surgery, like. I've made it this far. I'm this old. I, you know, I get, I, you know, I'm 35 years old and I already don't want to deal with shit that is like coming with getting older. If I'm 70 years old, I get it. But, you know, of course, these are things we need to do, unfortunately. Well, and just like you said, like, I don't want to, why do I have to get hearing? You know, yeah. It's also like, why do we have to heal? Why do we have to? <laughs> Yeah. Why do we have to talk about things that might be tough in the moment sure. that will then bring us closer after? 
Yeah. And that's part of him and his generation and, and everything about sure. him is that just kind of like, Hey, we're all fine. We're all here. No need to rock the boat. And I am the, I'm the boat. Rocker. Literally it's I'm, dangerous. If, if yeah, you rock the, the boat. also the thing that he did there is he yeah. said that he's never going to, he's, he, he will no longer say yes to things. If he has one inkling of, of, of a doubt. Okay. Good for him. I mean, yes. it's, that's tough. I get that. I, I think most people, understand wanting to you know be the you know the people pleaser and just try and just go along with things but sometimes you just got to tell people no even you know if it sucks and well and now he might want to sell his boat he said you know and yeah. there's people that that they don't like that because my dad yeah. loves boats his boat he loves yeah. fishing He's done it his whole life it's what people know about my dad he's yeah. an amazing fisherman he knows how to take people out and show them how to fish. I mean, he's like a guide pretty much. Yeah. And he doesn't want to. And who cares? Like the, when the second you stop wanting to do something is the second that that stops being fun. But the problem is, is when everyone around you thinks that that's where you get your joy, they don't want you to stop doing it. It's like when a like somebody retires early from a sport and everyone's like, what are you doing? You're the best. We love watching you. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, I know. I, I actually just want to live my life down and I made yeah. enough money and, 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 I don't need to be a hall of famer that played the most games ever. You know, I just, I'm fine. Yeah. But it's, yeah, that was a bit, you know, so I think watching him go through that, I mean, I, I fear his death. Yeah. More than anything. I mean, I think that's been my whole life. My biggest fear is my dad's death. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I've heard people, you know, talk about losing a parent and how they're basically just you're just a different person afterwards like it's just it really obviously i guess depending on your relationship but it really does have that big of an effect on you you know as it should i guess you know losing a parent is obviously a big deal yeah and it's interesting that does come up kind of often when i do ask people you know about their relationship with death and how, how you know when they're thinking about it how often or all that stuff it is interesting how how much it does sort of turn to oh well i'm at, I, I worry about my parent like i don't think about me dying i worry about like the people i care about dying like that seems to be a really big thing with certain people it, it depends but a lot of people i've noticed it usually just turns to that well but also the game of musical chairs that death is yeah it you know next thing you know you're sitting next to your mom because your dad can't sit there anymore yep and you're helping her and she needs help and and or you know he leaves behind i mean i think i thank god that my 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 parents my dad's not leaving behind shit i mean they got a house you know whatever yeah but like the when when that comes into it and death is involved around money or anything, yeah. you know, all that stuff is just devastating, I think. And yeah. I've seen people yeah. argue and I've been in, in in other situations where you know, siblings are fighting over a vacation home or, you know what I mean? Sure. And it's it's yeah. just like that's not what that person was. That's not uh, what their yeah. death means. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a and this is something that comes up as as well a lot is like the importance of like creating a will and just sort of taking care of all that stuff ahead of time so like you could tr hopefully avoid that stuff. 
Uh, and of course, be able to, you know, do what, what you want after you pass. I mean, I think that's like, it's so important um, to really, um, you know, button all that stuff up before you go. Just uh, also to just make it easier on the people that are still there, you know, that are dealing with your death. They don't have to worry about that stuff. End-of-life doulas bring humanity to dying. Are you called to become a death end-of-life doula? If you are ready to answer the call to become a doula, you won't want to miss the live session and self-paced course options of the internationally recognized end-of-life doula certification course from the International Doula Life Movement. International Doula Life Movement provides affordable and accessible doula training to any individual ready to make a difference in their community members' lives. The International Doula Life Movement takes great pride in their signature end-of-life doula certification training program, as well as the continuing education training they offer across all areas of doula care. For more information, go to internationaldoulalifemovement.com. There's a lyric I I um about death, a Towns Van Zant lyric that I really have always loved. Yeah. Um, and it says, born to grow and grown to die. Yeah, I love that. And it's just like it's that simple, you know? Yeah. And anything else you try and throw into that is cons- time consuming. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's avoid trying to avoid that process. It's tough. It's tough, right? It's like trying to figure out how to spend the time you got, especially if you don't know, you know, how much time you do have, you know, obviously we're lucky if we get, I don't know what 80 years, I'd be cool with making it to 80. Do you have a number in your head that you'd be happy with? You know, it's weird. Like younger, I thought like 60s is good. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You get a little bit older and you're like, ah, 60s real close. Yeah. Then it starts getting closer, but also 60 is just pretty graceful. You know, I mean, you're still good. You know, like you got, you know, I, I, I've seen my, my grandmother get old and Alzheimer's and, and and that's just hard, you know, and I've also seen somebody just die in a second and be gone young you know like we all have like all these different experiences and they all shape us in such a way yeah yeah i i got a really big wake-up call an unfortunate wake-up call um over the holidays um you know with a friend passing much quicker than all of us anticipated Mm. and it was just like you know it could just happen out of nowhere so quick and it's <laughs> it's it's uh, i think a lot of people look at it as as a as a motivation to try and you know appreciate the time you got and use the time i think other people um you know maybe necessarily can't find the motivation in it but yeah it's tough it's you think i, I mean Some people just think it's too hard yeah that's a that's the problem is like the what what you see is hope or what you see is you know, like that, like the meaningless thing. It's like, how do you read that? Yeah. Do you read that as, oh, well, then nothing's worth it. Or that if everything's meaningless, then that means that everything's worth it. They're yeah. All- yeah. And, and I, I feel like I, I definitely, ba- you know, uh, you know, bounce back and forth, I think with that a lot where I'm just like, 
something's bothering me and I'm like, well, fuck it. it who cares? Who? None of this shit matters. I'll be dead soon and nobody will even fucking care about it. And you're, and there's like a calming to that, but maybe not necessarily the healthiest way to think all the time. I don't know. It's, it's tough, but death, you know, and this is something I, I've, I've discussed before as well as like death is like a motivator, right? Like you could use it as a, as a motivation. Um, I haven't figured out how to necessarily do that yet, but I think, um, if you, if you can use it, right. Like take yeah, advantage. Well, I mean, a friend, a friend, a close friend's death is what saved my life. Yeah. I would love to, I would. So <laughs> I, I'm, I, I love this conversation we're having. I pictured it going so differently, but I'm so thrilled where it's gone. Um, but yeah, I would like to get into that a little bit. I know you've, you've, you've lost some friends, some to addiction, and I would I would love to discuss what what you just mentioned here. But before we get to that really quick, um, again, sort of going to like the actively killing themselves and this like relationship that you have with death, it seems like you have a relatively healthy one um, while you were sort of in the throes of things, you know, in the middle of addiction. I, I am always sort of curious about this because someone like me who's um, I'm not sober or anything, but I do have an unhealthy relationship with death. I think about it way too much. It's part of why I do this podcast. It, it's part of why I go to therapy. There's a million reasons. Um, but I do think about it in an unhealthy amount. Um, and I always wonder somebody like you, as you say, who's actively killing themselves while this is happening. Are you thinking about it a lot or is it just like you, there's too much other stuff going on? Yeah, there's a weird crescendo of the of the the thinking about it and then the kind of helplessness of it and yeah. and you know you don't start really thinking about it until you hear a story about somebody you know you you you, you like you see something somebody died drunk driving and you know all of these things all oh, the liver you know like their liver went bad and and this or that or his had a heart attack and you kind of hear all the things that alcohol and drugs do to people. Yeah. And those things are happening as, as you're reading them. Like I, my liver is, was like constantly in pain. My, I could just feel my liver all the time yeah. and my heart was never right. It was like too slow or, you know, it was like, I would wake up in the middle of the night with half my body numb, tingling, and for the longest time, I was convinced that our bed was tilted. Wow. And I was anything, anything but the, the, the alcohol, right? Yeah, really. I mean, I was, I was like, yeah, there's something wrong with our bed because all of my blood, like it's, yeah. you know, but also I'm waking up at multiple times a night and drinking in the middle of the night. Cause I'm drinking, you know, one to two bottles of vodka a day. Yeah. And that's, you can't just do that in one sitting. I mean, you got to spread it out and you got to, yeah. um, but yeah, I had a phone call with a friend and we realized on a phone call that we were both drinking the same. The only difference was his was tequila and mine was vodka. And it was a FaceTime. I remember he FaceTimed voice, face, like voice FaceTime, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he was pulled up in a hotel up in Tacoma, Washington, and, and he was about to check himself into rehab. And, um, 
I was just, I was fucking wasted when we were talking. I got in my car, drunkenly drove to my office, um, started drinking in there, like, which was a daily thing. And, and, um, everything seemed like, oh, he's getting help. Okay. Maybe I should think about that. And then three days later, he's in hospice. Wow. And he's yellow and he's dying and there's no stopping it. There's absolutely no stopping it. And he died. And I, I was on the phone, you know, like with people that were there trying to talk to him. He was, it was impossible. He couldn't really form any kind of sentences and, and, and um, he died and left a huge hole in a lot of people's life and um, including children and family, friends and fans and all these people. And, and um, I went the opposite direction and went hard. Wow. I mean, I was locking myself in my, my, my office just... Um, I, 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 you know, I, I just had this like storefront that was basically just a storefront of me drinking um, <laughs> and uh, that I've used for writing and whatever. And, and um, yeah. it was great. And it was like a great place for me to kill myself. And, and, and the whole time that it's happening, I know now, like I know from all my fears before from seeing this, oh, death is just there. It's right there. It's, yeah. it's going to happen so fast. And I got Lyme's disease um kind of in the midst of all of this which is such a weird thing to get but that also saved my life because i had to go to the doctor and i wasn't honest about my drinking but when my blood test came back there was nothing more obvious than the fact that i was dying yeah yeah there's and really no way of hiding it at that point no 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 they're reading the yeah. they're reading your emails there <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah you know i yeah you know through a day of contemplating just ending it i checked myself into rehab and it's not the first time i've been to rehab i've been when i was younger in my teens 17 and uh it was great because i knew there was a solution and i knew that it, i i knew there was an out and i thought all i got to do is check myself in and they're going to fix it you know and i'm ready for that i want to be fixed yeah and then two days in, they couldn't fix it. They, you know, because you're basically brought into, you know, like a house that has nurses in it and they're administering Ativan and whatever, you know, whatever all these drugs are that people need to come off of alcohol. Um, I forget some of the names of them, but, you know, you, you, you are taking these drugs and it's supposed to gradually help you wean off alcohol. But two days in, they realize there's no weaning me off that I'm, I it's, I'm having my body shutting down. And I, they found me like naked outside in the neighboring yard at 4am. And, and um, I, I don't know, all I know is I woke up a week later in a hospital. And I, you know, strapped to a bed. Um, there was a moment of getting in the hospital where I remember being strapped down and them trying to get a needle in my arm. And yeah. Somebody said to me, you're strapped down because you've been combative, you know, but I was yeah. naked. They brought me in naked. They just brought me into, they just brought a naked man in his late thirties in from a backseat of a car, from a rehab into a hospital in Santa Robles, California. And, um, you know, it was like, they had to, 
I, I was, I thought, I didn't think I was dying. I thought that they were going to send me to a mental institute. I didn't realize that they were watching me die and being like, we need to take him to the hospital. I thought that they were like, he's crazy. He actually needs to go to a, like a, a the mental institute. So I was building up all these thoughts that they were after me and coming to get me when really they were like realizing that they couldn't keep me alive. So death like wasn't even a thought in your mind at that point. It was like more of just like a paranoia about no, other people around it was you. a huge paranoia yeah god i remember laughing so hard because i have like this like three step kind of thing that you could put up to a sink for some like a kid to like step up on the three steps and you know wash their hands and brush their teeth yeah and on the outside of this this like mansion in malibu that i was staying in they had one of those but it was just up against the side of the house mm-hmm. and they found me on the third step listening in and knocking, thinking that there was a secret room there that they were all in trying to get me to a mental institute. Wow. And it was just a wall. And I was hearing voices. I was, I was, and they were trying to explain to me what all of these things are that I'm feeling, you know, like they were showing me paperwork that was like, this is what DTs are. And this is what like all this, you know, coming up alcohol, the the possibilities you're having the most extreme version of it, you know, all this stuff. Anyway, waking up in the hospital, I still was so confused and it took so much time for me to wrap my head around that I basically died. I couldn't understand it and nobody wanted to fully tell me it at, at, at a certain point. And, you know, like my wife at the time, she, I was trying to get a hold of her because I wanted to know where my clothes were. And, and they told her like, listen, he doesn't have any clothes, but don't wow. tell him. Yeah. We, you know, we're just going to tell them that you came and took them and you're washing them, you know, and then they gave me like a, a gray sweatsuit that I wore back. <laughs> I wish I still had it, by the way, but <laughs> my rehab burned down um, because of a fucking Malibu fire while I was in it. Holy shit. Another crazy story in itself. I I mean, it was like missed it by two hours. Um, another Man, kind of like almost death. I, I, I wouldn't. I would just assume you're already so paranoid and now. I would ass- I would just assume the place burning down would just like feed the paranoia. Yes, although as I was being medicated, okay, and so it was, I was, it was you were they were getting you under control. But could you imagine in like the heat of your like paranoia, the place burns down, you'd lose oh, your mind. No, that would have been. I mean, I was I was fully convinced that an R and B like Motown radio station was playing lightly in the background, and was constantly searching the whole building for there's a radio playing and like just i mean absolutely mental yeah i was carrying on a business meeting out in the back patio at a table by myself and they were all just like listen we just can't like alarm him he's just we've got to let him do all this stuff yeah (laughs) wow and and (laughs) i'm i'm like laughing but i mean i don't know what what, like uh, looking back on that how i mean how do you feel i i don't yeah that's you know what you know what you know what it was is um yeah. when I was getting ready to leave, I saw somebody that was because I'd like changed houses because our house burned down. I ended up in like another fucking area. And yeah, um, I saw a staff member that was there when they brought me in that was there for those first two days that I had never seen again. And she almost cried just looking at my eyes because she saw a person. Yeah. And the fact that all of these people had to deal with that guy 
that I don't even know who that was. I was no longer in my skin. Yeah. I didn't know what I was or who I was being. There was nothingness when you looked at me. And for her to see something that yeah. gave me hope in life. And like, you know what? All these things that I did that suck to my life and to other people's, like there's going to take some time for this to heal. But the fact that I know right now physically I'm able to live, I just can't even believe it. Yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 quite the story. Um, and you know, obviously you're very lucky. I think that um it's unfortunate. A lot of people I think that were that were are that in your situation usually don't get to tell the story. I know that's the saddest thing. That's what they say about yeah, um relapsing, you know, it's like it's you, you know, yeah, yeah, you can relapse. It's just not guaranteed you're going to make it back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you do. It's unfortunate, but yeah, that, that is usually the story, right? It's like whoever it was relapsed, went too hard. And that's just sort of what kills you. Oh yeah. I mean, that happens so yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's what being in that kind of community of like sobriety and, um, you just see so much of, you know, you just see somebody and then all of a sudden you don't see them anymore. And then you hear there's a wake. Yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, death is unfortunately, yeah, a big part of recovery and, you know, dealing with that. Um, you know, like I said, I'm not a sober or anything, but, um, you know, I, I did and still actively do go to meetings, you know, because of a family member who, you know, was actively in addiction for a very long time for most of my life. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I can't obviously completely relate, but yeah, it's tough. That's really, yeah. I think, you know, gotta be one of the hardest parts about it is seeing people around you who are dealing with the same struggles you are and, you know, losing that battle. And it's amazing that some people actually have it in them to go to those meetings when it's for someone else. Not that, you know, it's for them and it's and it's all so that they can understand what they're dealing with and that they're not alone, obviously. But yeah, it takes a real special person and it sucks to be put. It sucks to know that you've put people in that seat, sure. you know? Yeah. But when you see somebody do it and what it gives to them, it's it's just kind of it's mind blowing. I honestly like can't imagine not doing it. Um it's it's like such I, I think community is so important. I think just in life in general and like connecting with humans is like obviously very important. Um, but when you're dealing with something I think like that, uh connection is even you know that much more valuable and um yeah i think it's i i recommend it to anybody um that hasn't tried it that that thinks it would help i mean yeah yeah it, it's it yeah it, it it sucks you you hate to you know in the beginning i feel like some people struggle with it because it's, it's just like, it's hard to listen to other people's stories. You know, obviously they're not like going to be great stories. It's going to be upsetting. It's going to be sad, whatever it is. But I think once you get, once you get past that point, um, yeah, again, it's just, it's good to be around people that like, just get it, you know, <laughs> it's like you get, <laughs> you get the thing that happened, you know? So 
yeah, you feel it's it's crazy when you get involved in a group like that and you kind of go around and you know that people aren't involved in stuff like that. And it's just like, man, if they only knew that there's probably some sort of a group they could go to that, although it sounds cheesy, it would make everything better. Yeah. Because all they because now I'm walking around and I I know some other people here are part of my secret society and we're all in it together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously look again, not, maybe it's, it's, you know, it's not for everybody. I get that. But, um, you know, again, it's just like that connection, man. It's crazy. Like when you really do find like the right people, there's just like, there's just so much value in that. It's true. Yeah, it really so. is. Well, I mean, this has been uh, a really a really fun conversation. I don't know. Fun is I, I, it's been, I've really enjoyed chatting with you, Nick. Um, yeah, thanks. I mean, it's, I think it's fun because it is fun. It's nice to talk and it's nice to also, you know, I'm all the things that I'm talking about that are my point of view or things that have happened to me are all things that I'm constantly either needing to remember or needing to look at. And, and every time I say something, like, it's like, anytime I tell a joke, I hear, I can hear another little part that it's like, oh, wait, what about this part? You weren't even thinking about this angle, you know? Yeah. And, and when it comes to death, it's like, there's just, there's so many angles that it's nice to talk about it. And that's what I think a lot of people don't do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I briefly just sort of mentioned that, but, uh, I, I part of the reason I did the podcast is because I was just like, you know, I'd be hanging out with my friends and I would just be like, do you guys ever, you know, think about dying? And I just would be like, I would just want to talk about death. And my friends were just like, buddy, not the time or the place. Like, and I, I understand, I understand them not wanting to discuss it, but I also would get a little frustrated in the sense of like, well, this is a thing that I think we should at least maybe talk about a little bit or something. I, I don't know. It's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to sort of navigate, but yeah, uh, we don't talk about it enough. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with talking about it. And it doesn't have to be like a scary conversation all the time. It could be a lot of different things. Yeah. And then when you're in it and it happens, you know, well, yeah, I mean, a little uh, less scary. I, I like I, I said I lost a friend to to breast cancer in um during Thanksgiving and uh I felt so prepared to deal with her death because of these conversations I've had and because I think about it and I felt like I handled it probably too well I don't know if that's a thing but I remember you know mentioning to my therapist like I don't I I I was like I felt prepared for it. I felt like I maybe prepared. So I, I felt like I was, I don't know. It just, it didn't seem, even though it was a surprise and it was sort of out of nowhere. Um, I don't know. I think I feel like the fact that I do talk about death and I do have these conversations and it is something I think about, it wasn't as hard as it could have been. Yeah. But I don't know. No, it's true. I think that that's all facing the pain, the, the things that are painful to face. Yeah. And of course, yeah, it sucks at times. It's not always like the the greatest thing to think about or 
or most of the time I'm, when I'm thinking about it, it's a nightmare. But when, it, <laughs> when it's good, it's good. You know, the bad times are when you're just like sitting alone and you're like, man, it could just be nothing forever after this. And that's just a real bummer. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> Probably not well, the best way to to end the podcast, but what are you going to do? Solid ending. I mean, you could just add a ton of laughs there. <laughs> that was we should yeah i should get a laugh track and just throw it in every once in a while during these podcasts i think that would do really well yeah hey that's a great um, sponsor to have twos being sponsored by laughter yeah yeah that would be pretty solid i don't know who could help me get make that happen but um we're gonna figure it out yeah there's gotta be a company <laughs> Right. Is there, well, I mean, talk about death, right? Isn't pretty much every laugh track just like from a million years ago and all those people are dead anyway, right? Yeah, there really are some select. Uh, I, I do know, I, I was told by somebody that a lot of laugh track that's used in c- comedy specials coming out of a specific place are Jim Gaffigan laughs. <laughs> like his audience laughing or his... His audience laughing. Yeah, it'd be funny if it was just him laughing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... I keep meaning to tell him that. I'm like, somebody, an editor told me that. He's like, yeah, we actually just take a lot from his special. Because yeah. they're just like such solid laughs. Yep. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's that's an interesting compliment to get. Yeah, I know, right? Good for I'm him. Sure he knows. I'm sure he'd be thrilled. You got to tell him. And it's good to know that it's people that are probably alive laughing and they're not just dead people yeah that is good to know i thought for sure it was all dead people because you get you get the laugh clip you didn't you don't need people laughing hasn't changed it's not you don't need an updated laugh do you no i think it's just gotten less (laughs) (laughs) oh okay got it yeah it's becoming extinct is that true? I know we're like wrapping up here, but that's such an interesting thing. Is it, do you feel like that's happening? Are you like doing? No, no. I mean, I, I think that, I think that like doing shows um, with COVID audiences and, and masks and stuff and doing them online over the, over the pandemic, it definitely oh, was God. like, yeah, people are not laughing as much. Yeah. That had to have been. And if they are, you there. can't see it. Yeah. Um, But no, it's all. Okay, good. It's all there. What it just it's just a sad thought that you know yeah. Nick Thune's doing a stand-up dead. show and, and people are just half half laughing. All right, uh, we should probably just end this because I'm just this is well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for coming on. I really do. I am a fan. I do. Uh, I was talking to a friend today, and uh, I was telling him that I was getting ready to do a podcast with you. And I sent him a clip and he was losing his mind the entire time. He absolutely loved it. And so obviously if you're listening to this and you don't know Nick's standup, go check out his standup. It's you're one of the best for sure. Such, such a oh, funny wow. comedian. That's, and uh, oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, big fan. And uh, yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on. This is, this was a really fun chat. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you when I'll talk to you when everyone else is listening to us, talk to each other. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. See ya. All right, buddy.